0: here we go on it podcast with my brother mike salemi very very happy to have you here in town uh you and your boy eli the video man that makes (laughs) it all happen have been staying at my house and it's been an absolute treat to have you guys uh getting into some weird shit you know busting out all the instruments and stuff like that last night and uh very blessed to be uh you know to have you here with us but also to be able to be on the receiving end of some of your wisdom get to put me through a uh a brutal Eldoa <laughs> stretch session yesterday that had me high as fuck for about 90 minutes. We opened you up good. Uh, yeah, in the best way. You know, it's funny, you know, in different practices like yoga and things like that, as you begin to open and stretch the body, how much you can feel the floodgates open, you know, not only with thought and intuition and things like that, but just like feelings fucking just start popping up. I mean, I was seeing purple with my eyes closed and just kind of levitated over into a meeting with Aubrey and our superfoods team and was not really prepped for that. You know, I'm sitting down trying to keep my shit together and started taking deep, deep breathing. (laughs) And Aubrey smirks at me he's like, what's going on, brother? And I stand up behind my chair. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm cool. It's no big deal. And then, uh, you know, got a kombucha and I was like, ah, I think i need to lay down he's like are you all right and i was like i just did some some kind of a spinal stretching that opened me up and i'm feeling all sorts of shit uh my hands were buzzing my feet were buzzing it was incredible but i feel great high in the best way you know no hangover no problems like a good drug as i like to say yeah hell yeah brother so i'm very much appreciative of that and then uh later on today you're gonna put our coaches through a little bulgarian bag work some nuances to the kettlebell game and then hopefully we'll have time for some moral doa, so we have the rest of these guys can experience what i what i'm trying to describe here so mike you have a wealth of knowledge in so many things uh met you at paleo FX with the mind pump crew they introduced me to a number of excellent people dr michael <laughs> ruscio being one of them yourself being one of them and then of course the honor crew uh largely why i have this job so a lot of love to the mind pump crew but um Let's just start with the basics. You know what got you started in weightlifting?
1: So what got me started in weightlifting was when I was 15 years old. I was actually making the transition as a gymnast. So I was never really high level gymnast, but I experienced a pinched nerve in my back. And in order to heal that injury, I went to a specific chiropractor. And fortunately, he was a drug free world champion powerlifter. He was, I think, he was in the 220 division. He was benching close to 600. Damn! So he re had me right and. Um, you know, I'd always been into conditioning training, especially having a very disciplined approach to it. And he goes, You know what? Why don't you? I think you might like this. Why don't you come train with me? Uh, I'll build you up and uh, we'll see what you can do with it. So at that time, he took me into what was a private basement powerlifting gym. I've always trained in kind of uh, garages, you know, cinder block rooms. I've never, it's usually only on vacation that I'll train at a commercial gym and it feels very foreign to me. Yeah. But uh, this gym was called the Palace Gym and it was a very small knit you know, there was only about 20 of us, but they were all very high level, very disciplined guys. And we would get together usually at lunchtime or after work when these guys would get off. And this guy, Mike Ludovico, as well as the owner of the gym, really just took me under his wing. And that place really became my home. I mean, if I was going through tough stuff or anything, like I would always go to that gym. And there was even like a chill room upstairs, some just old school couches and a wine room. And, The community that they were actually all garbage men, garbage men or um, police officers. So, (laughs) so, but you got and public service, public service, and all these guys, man. I mean, you got to think these guys were old school garbage men. So the way these guys used to used to train, especially they used to pack the can on their shoulder before all the automatic automatic stuff. So these guys, if it was one lift that these guys were badass at, it was the deadlift. These guys just had grown man strength on the deadlift because they just had built up all this awkward kind of conditioning strength and abilities from lifting garbage. So they took me under their wings, and that's really where I started falling in love with it, and then there is where I started getting exposed to Louis Simmons's work, Okay, and the gym was very, very focused on starting with Westside programming, and once I was about 18 turning 19, I really wanted to take it to the next level, so I was fortunate enough to go out to Westside Barbell, train with Louis for about a month, uh, got to meet guys like Chuck Bogopole, and really just left a big, big lasting impression on me, so... My kind of upbringing started in powerlifting, and then uh, transitioned into an wim- Olympic weightlifting, and now kettlebell sport.
0: Fuck yeah, that is that is that's an incredible lineage, you know. Especially when you think about the people that touch you and how that transforms your life. Louis, uh, you know, Rogan calls him a fucking maniac, you know, just an <laughs> insane guy. But he's developed so many great tools, you know. He really has, and just you know, thinking the conjugate method and how do we hit all the different forms in our training protocols to get maximum potential out of our bodies there's a lot there so what what have you noticed as you started to make that change into more of the odd types of training utilizing kettlebells instead of you know traditional um you know bench squat deadlift and snatch clean jerk those kind of things
1: well i think you know the the transition from more of just a pure barbell type of training which i still love to the more unconventional whether it's yes bulgarian bag kettlebells clubbells anything like that also kind of paralleled and is paralleling right now my evolution as a person. So even though I love the gym and I really gravitate towards the gym environment, now as much as possible, I just want to get outside and use tools that I can take on a hike. You can go to the beach. Uh, every time I travel, anyone who knows me well, like knows I always travel either with a kettlebell in my bag. That's why my suitcase is usually all banged up. On this trip, I brought two Bulgarian bags with me. So um, <laughs> Yeah, I just want to get outside. I want to touch the earth, go barefoot, and just have fun moving through any type of free expression of movement is really what I love right now. So um, the unconventional tools, not only do they develop strength and a whole host of abilities, whether it's strength, flexibility, coordination, any of those abilities of what it takes to develop a well-rounded athlete, uh, in a way that's different from a barbell. There's a time and a place for sure, but when you're talking about especially making um uh, a transferable skill to or transferable quality to let's say fighting for example it's like you're never really going to move in one plane you need to be able yeah. to move in all directions and you need to be able to to handle i mean even just in life you, when you pick up pick up your kid when you pick up bear like you're never picking them up like in a, in a straight line you're always throwing them on your shoulder or playing with them on the ground you're always um, So the ability to go from different position to tra- transition from standing to the ground has been really something that I've enjoyed and seen transfer in myself and also the other athletes I've worked with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you touched on a great point. I think for a lot of people in sport, you know, there's definitely a big push for for GPP, you know, your general physical preparedness, and you can achieve a lot of that through basic primal movement patterns: push, pull, squat, hinge, lunge, twist, those kind of things. But at a certain point, you need to get off balance. You need to train things that are going to, you know, be similar to when you're on a football field. You know, you're not, you're not in a perfect squat, you know, half the time, one leg's in four to the other. You know, you're pushing, but it's not, you know, with a bench behind you, you're pushing with your own feet hooked into the ground, those kind of things, pulling, doing the same stuff. There's so much more transfer there as you begin to dive into these odd tools. And it doesn't mean that you take, you know, it's a replacement for these other things, mm. But I think there's a tremendous benefit as we start to add in some of this stuff. So as we start talking about weird shit, uh, (laughs) my man and your man, the great teacher Paul Check comes up, and um, you know it's it's a beautiful transition here because uh, you know segueing from podcast to podcast, we recently had my buddy Dr. Andy Galpin on, who wrote the book Unplugged, and he talked about the importance of getting back out into nature and a lot of the different not only the science behind why that's important for our mind, body, and spirit, but the benefits, you know, the benefits and how we can tackle, you know, getting outdoors more and incorporating these things. So one of the things that I'm always trying to do is kill two birds with one stone, Mm. right? And we talked a bit about that at dinner the other night. So, yeah, you take a kettlebell to the beach, not only are you getting sunlight, you're getting grounding, you're getting negative ions from the ocean, but you're also getting a pretty awesome workout in, on an unlevel surface, right? So there's there's many great things that are going to be causing physiological physiological adaptation as well as just priming your body and your emotional state from getting outdoors. So head Andy Gulping on, we got you on next week. Our dude Paul checks coming to town. It's gonna be so epic! Oh yeah. So let's dive into that. You're one of Paul Check's number one students. You've been through all of his training. You finished recently. Is that correct?
1: No. So I was, I'm was. i still in the program. I mean, to, to be a check practitioner, it's a very involved practice. I mean, it takes years. If, if you're on the program and you're following it dedicatedly, I mean, it could take anywhere from five to seven years. There's four levels, really five if you include exercise coach in the practitioner side, which is the more corrective performance side of things, assessment, stuff like that orthopedic side. Then you have the HLC side, which there's three levels. Now, to go through both those and also to do the work, because in order to graduate to each level in the check system, you have, especially at the upper levels, you have to submit case studies and whatnot. You really have to put in your time and practice. So um, I've started going through the system, but I've worked very, very closely with Paul for two and a half years to rehab my own injuries from sport, as well as to kind of build me back up. Um, so my work really focused with Paul on the uh, client side
0: yeah that's perfect you know what got me into paul check actually i mentioned this too was at dinner was um i had a strength coach back in the day when i was first getting into fighting and uh i told this story before on, on rogan's but uh you know thick new york accent and he was like you you fought a lot and i was like it's a fucking weird thing to say to a dude you know like we got protein shakes and shit like that like i fart about as normal as everybody else does right he's <laughs> like no man i think you got a a, a food intolerance And, uh, I wasn't, I was pretty resistant to it at first, but he put on the old flatten your abs forever video on VHS. And I was like, fuck, man, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And, uh, you know, did an elimination diet, added back gluten in, and it just blew my mind the difference. I couldn't breathe out of my nose, really felt bogged down, Mm. had a ton of gas. So I was like, all right, (laughs) you were right. Sorry. And then, uh, you know, that, that started the path of me diving into how to eat, move and be healthy the last four doctors you'll ever need, and really just branching out into into Paul's wealth and knowledge. Um, what what made you want to do that? Did you want to, I mean, you said you wanted to work on yourself first, and that's, that's kind of why I went to HLC, the holistic lifestyle coach, not to be a coach in that, but because I knew I needed to work on meditation. I wanted to learn Qigong. I wanted to learn breath work and just dive into that for myself. Is that really... Where it started for you?
1: Well, for me, I was first introduced to Paul's work when I was 18. So I was competitive in powerlifting at a decent level. And where I was a strength and conditioning coach at, fortunate for me, and I feel very blessed for this, the entire facility was really modeled after all of Paul's teachings. So we had high-level check practitioners there, HLCs. We had hypnotherapists, very good chiros so it was where's this place it's no longer unfortunately, but it was in the bay area yeah and (laughs) the owner of the facility was one of the first check practitioners in the bay area and he really took me under his wing and you know at that time i was doing the best i can with the knowledge that i had i was still very disciplined in my diet or what what i knew at the time like i think it was the whole eas approach um (laughs) and i had a lot of gas too um but then bioplex isn't that good for the gut that's strange i was wondering why i was having all those gas and Later as I now, I don't think it's cool today but still before it was cool to look at your own poop and, <laughs> and interpret what that's telling you about essentially like the internal report card of what you have now you know lab testing is very popular et cetera but for me what what his name was Brian Sham introduced me to not only was this holistic model of looking at high performance but also really how to eat move and be healthy which still to this day I think is probably the greatest contribution. Uh, as a resource to not only just health in in general, but to athletic performance, because I think there's it's very important, and, and this is something that I feel passionate about, that health should form the foundation for high performance. And I think people think that there are two completely different things. Health should always be the basis there. Because if you don't have enough life force to endure the rigors of training, then you're always going to be draining, and you're always going to have some type of injury, or it's going to show up as some type of challenge, whether it's relationship-wise, if you're not managing yourself, and that's really what you learn in How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And I think the beauty of the HLC program, especially like level one, level one is all about healing you. It's all about you first. So getting yourself healthy, getting your mind right, managing the six foundation principles, which... If people took care of the six foundation principles, so managing your thoughts, your breathing, your hydration, your nutrition, your movement practice, balancing working in and working out, and then your sleep. If someone managed those six foundation principles well, that would take care of about 90%, if not more, of all the health-related dis-ease that we experience today. So just focusing on that, and it's something that I'm still reading at least yearly, and every time that I read it, I'm usually ready for something new to incorporate into my own life. So it's never something that gets old. And I think that was Paul's, How do, I'm sorry, uh, The Four Doctors was a great contribution, but that's really where it started. And that's still like a timeless classic for me.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's actually, there's only one book I've read more than than How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and that's um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. And that's because I'll pick up, as with Paul's books, I'll pick up things and reintegrate them into my life and and, you know, just as with diet, you know, there's no one size fits all diet. Said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. But there's different points in your not, in your life where you need different things, you know. And so you may eat a certain way for a period in your life, and then notice some changes as you listen to your body. And there may be some information that doesn't resonate with you right off the bat. And as you rehash and go back through the material, it resonates with you the second or third time that you read it. Hundred percent. Yeah, that that definitely was a game changer. So I want to dive into a little bit, one of the four doctors, you know, let's talk about the four doctors here. (laughs) Okay. So we got got Dr. Happy, Dr. Movement, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Quiet. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. So of those four, there is one, you know, if we talk about Dr. Happy, we got to take care of us. We got to play more. We got to be happy. We got to do the things that bring us joy in life. And the things that bring us joy in life that don't come at a cost, you know, Paul used to say that. You don't fucking reward yourself. If your goal is weight loss, you don't reward yourself with shit food at the end of your 20 pounds of loss, right? You don't take two steps forward to take one step back. That's not a real reward, right? And um, I think people can understand that a bit. Dr. Movement, yeah, you need to fucking move. You need to move properly. You need to take care of body mechanics, things like that. Dr. Diet, you know, we've, we've been diving into that quite a bit. Figuring out which foods you have an intolerance to um, can be a game changer. And that's cheap. You don't have to do a $2,000 blood test or some other nonsense. You know, you do an elimination diet for 30 days. You add back in some problematic foods and see where you sit with them. But Dr. Quiet, Dr. Quiet has been a massive one for myself. And I think it is highly important for men in general, especially high-level performing athletes that you've worked with and I've worked with. Um, It's just something in the West that we fucking leave out. You know, it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's shit women do, or that shit you know yogis in the east do, and and what's the importance, and why should I why should I practice meditation, why should I practice breath work, why should I focus on sleep, why should I take naps when my body needs it? Mm-hmm. So let's let's dive into some of that. You know wh- what has really benefited you and the fighters that you've worked with, with Doctor Quiet.
1: So I think you hit the nail on the head. For me personally, it's it's the doctor that I. Need to focus on the most. I mean, I think any high-level or high-performing athlete to get to any level, there, it's very rare that you'll find an elite-level athlete who's. I mean, when have you ever met an elite-level athlete that was undertrained? It's very rare, if ever, to happen. So, but the benefit that you know, Doctor Quiet is the doctor responsible for introspection, reflection time, rest, repair. It's it's synonymous with the parasympathetic nervous system. So as athletes, we're all, for the most part, we're all go, 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 go. So the message for me, especially in my own not only movement practice, but my own reflection practice, is to incorporate any tool that I can with where I'm at in that moment that will help me kind of rebuild the system. So for me right now, and we were talking about this a little earlier, like we, I just shot a what will be a, a small program with Paul on on this concept of working in, that to my knowledge, I was totally unfamiliar with before I was introduced to his work and just a little bit about working in in terms of how it can directly benefit performance and performance athletes so there's there's this there's this idea out there that you know working out we in order to get ahead we have to work out so a workout is any type of activity that is an energy expenditure an activity that costs the body more in resources than it does to than it brings in so working in exercise is the opposite. A Working in exercise is an exercise that could be Tai Chi, could be any type of moving meditation um, that actually brings more energy into the system than it costs to produce. So if you think about athletes, when we're training every single day, we're, we're pulling money out of the ATM, but very few of us are actually putting it back in. So because working in is synonymous with the parasympathetic nervous system. It can activate the rest, repair, digest side. So there's specific criteria that Paul has created to let you know, let the athlete know, am I in fact working in or am I in fact working out in this moment? So briefly on the four criteria, which is pretty interesting. So the first criteria to know if you're working in or working out, whether it's a Tai Chi movement or something as simple as a breathing squat, number one, the tongue should stay moist. If the tongue starts drying out, you know you're, you're, in, you're entering a more sympathetic state because the tongue is an extension of the visceral system, the digestive system. And so what happens when we, when we get hungry, for example, or when we're about to eat? Our saliva increases. As soon as that starts drying out, we know we're mo- moving into a more workout state.
0: Yeah, if you ever had cotton mouth while you're running, you know you're huffing and puffing hard. I've noticed in breath work, especially in things like even breath of fire with my tongue pressed to my mouth, I have to swallow saliva often. That's how activated the parasympathetic becomes. Sorry to cut you off, No, no, keep diving in. Well,
1: I think just uh, to piggyback on that note, I think it's really interesting, it probably should be mentioned, that certain breathwork can be very sympathetic. Just like certain forms of Tai Chi, just because it's Tai Chi, does not necessarily mean it's a parasympathetic activity. Certain forms of Tai Chi can very much send you into a sympathetic state. So there's kind of a distinguishment that should be made there. But in general, when the tongue starts drying out, you're moving into more of a flight or fight state. Then the second thing is digestion should improve. So anyone who's had a big Thanksgiving dinner and gone for a walk, I'm sure has had the experience that their digestion improved following that meal. Or if you go out to a restaurant and you just go for a walk to your car, usually you feel better. So the idea is that you can do a work-in exercise on a full stomach. It'll stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, increase your rest repair functions, and that's one way you know you should be able to do the exercise on a full stomach.
0: Then you'll take one of those nice big police cops the, poop <laughs> the police. police policemen the yeah. poop police <laughs> paul has an excellent we'll, we'll we'll get that if not for this episode definitely for paul's but uh a, a little I, we might run it for fucking both because people <laughs> need to be comfortable with looking at their own shit but uh yeah he's got the poop lineup right so you've got you've got all your your bad guys up against the wall in a classic cartoon lineup and this perfect giant poop with a police hat on that looks like the model shit, right? That's, that's what we're aiming for. Not the bodybuilder poop, not the sludgy guy or the ghost poop. But yeah, you know, there's... Not the flasher. Not the flasher.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, getting comfortable with that. So what are the other benefits? I, again, sorry to jump in there, but... No, no, please. Um, so we have these reminders, right, that can put us in place on working in versus working out you know ways to tell if we're on the right track when we're actually trying to have a working in practice.
1: Right. And so there's two more. There's sweating, which is a common sign of someone working out, and then the last one is really a combination between heart rate and breath rate because they work interchange they work together. So, if your heart rate starts increasing, that's your signal to know, okay, this is a working out activity. And Correlating this to performance, when I was working with Paul, one of the things that he did to really benefit my kettlebell training and my kettlebell competitions was we actually—my favorite work and exercise, and these are all in Paul's book, is a breathing squat. Very simple exercise, not threatening at all. You can do a squat even in a gym if you wanted, and people wouldn't look at you funny, (laughs) but just a breathing squat. and With the breathing squat, what we were working on was getting to the ability where I could go 20 minutes consistently where I would stay and manage those four criteria. So my heart rate and breathing rate wouldn't increase. I would not sweat. My tongue would still stay moist. And if I was to eat, my digestion was improve. But once we got to that, then we started adding in a kettlebell. So then I started doing whether it was a combination of a very, very light load. We're talking like six to eight kilos, a clean and jerk, and or a swing into the overhead position. Now, as I was performing that activity, if I started noticing that my breath rate or any of those markers started increasing, I would immediately set the weight down. Go back into a breathing squat, and then calm the heart rate down. And ultimately, I think it almost took about six months, but I was able to do at a light load. I think it was like with two eights or two twelve kilos, about twenty minutes continuously, where it was a work and exercise. Wow! So you can imagine in whether it's competition or in a fight or anything like that, the longer that you can stay in a parasympathetic state. I mean, when you go flight or fight, the the window starts shoo, starts really closing. Right? You don't. You're not able to. Your imagination starts closing out what you can foresee. And if the all these things start really narrowing the, the viewpoint, so the aperture changes. But if you can stay calm, relaxed, repaired, you can stay in that state of relaxed readiness or the zone, however you want to call it, your ability to manage your external environment will be incredibly more heightened. So that was one direct carryover that I noticed of just incorporating a working in activity and then how it related to being more physically fit. As well as a more centered and more mindful athlete in sport.
0: Hell yeah. So let's paint a picture of that. You know, one of the first things that caught me when I started going through um, Paul's working in breath work, you know, standing, Qigong, things like that, was it was reverse breathing. So you exhale, diving into the bottom of a squat, and you inhale, coming up. Mm. Right. So it was almost the reverse. Like I'm used to taking my breath at the top, dropping down on a full <laughs> breath of air, brace the spine and then fucking come out of the hole hard, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to exhale down and inhale coming up. And along with with, you know, as he goes through all the other six zones. But um, it's interesting to me. So, I mean, I'm, I, I say that to illustrate for the people, like if you want to try this for yourself, this was my first starter, too, where I was like, holy shit, I feel better doing this It's very calming. You know, to exhale down on a full exhale and then slowly come up. And the idea is to go slow, not to go fast. It's not a workout, and we're trying to build our, our faculties from the inside out using the breath and connecting it to the body. But it's interesting to me that you would incorporate that with kettlebells. So did, did the breathing stay the same? Was it reverse? Like as the kettlebell came down, were you exhaling and then inhaling it up?
1: So, a few interesting points on that. So there's different schools of kettlebell thought. so the the more uh, let's say, foundational or hard style kind of system of training, it's very correlated to high speeds of movement. And anytime there's high high speeds of movement, spinal stability is of paramount importance. So in that situation, you're going to use what we call a paradoxical breathing pattern. So in a hard style breath, let's say it's a swing, it's a very explosive swing you would inhale on the lowering phase, then you would maintain compression, then exhale on the raising phase, right? But in sport, which is an endurance-based activity, the breathing switches to something called anatomical. So in that, it's actually correlated exactly like a work in breath, where we exhale on flexion and inhale on extension. So the way I was using it with the working in activities was exhaling on flexion, inhaling as you extend. Now interestingly enough, the the breath that we use in in a work in practice goes hand in hand with our anatomy and physiology so anytime that the body moves into extension external rotation and abduction or away from the midline that is matched with inhalation because the rib cage is opening or we're coming anytime we're let's simplify anytime we're coming out of the fetal position Anytime we're going into the fetal position, which is matched with flexion, internal rotation, and adduction or moving towards the midline, when the rib cage closes down, that's naturally matched with exhalation breath. So we're working hand-in-hand with our physiology to, once again, increase our life force energy or however you want to call it, but we're working with that. We're... And this is another really key point that I really had to learn working in because in the gym, we're always taught you got to be super technical, right? Like you got to align the spine, make sure everything, set the hips back, all this stuff.
0: Yeah. You're always in that one fixed. That's one thing that mind pump. I love how they crush and go against, you know, the fucking the norm. (laughs) But like the idea that you always have to have this perfect spinal alignment. It's like, when does that happen on the fucking football field? When does that happen in gymnastics? never (laughs) never (laughs) never like they you know they took so much shit for this video they did on a rounded spine plank you know where you're just hollow back plank and how much how much more do you feel the abs activate when you get into that position and even just flowing from neutral spine into the rounded back hollow back you know plank but that's a fucking static move you're not under load you're not going to get hurt doing that and every chiropractor and sports fizz guy and their mom chimed in about you're gonna fucking hurt somebody showing people how to do shit like that and it's like no this is the way we move this is the real world this is what happens in sports this is what happens in a fight you know and, and even looking into lifting like it's cool to have a perfect you know deadlift and we're under a lot of load but you look at strong men doing the atlas stone and shit like that how would you pick up a fucking boulder in the real world mm-hmm. there's no handles You're gonna reach over that thing with a fucking rounded upper back. You're gonna brace the thoracic, take a deep breath in and pick it up. That's that's how we move shit in the real world. So this idea that breath has to be at a certain cadence and the spine has to be in perfect alignment. It's just, you know, it's one of these dogmas like diet, you know, or you gotta eat five hundred grams of carbs to be loaded up and you gotta have this, you gotta have that. And people attach those things as a part of their identity, right? This is the way it is. It's the way it's always been. It's the only way, and it's it's just not that way. So I like, I really appreciate, you know, people that kind of go against the grain and say, hey, there there is a different way.
1: Yeah, because what happens if you get put in that situation? I mean, me and you, I was I had a great time rolling uh, with you on the mats yesterday. It's like we were doing throws. It's like there was no perfect posture in any of that. So if all you know is how to move in in one plane or in one fixed pattern. You leave yourself wide open for a whole host of of adverse things to happen. So with being taught especially that everything has to be perfect in the gym and being grown up in that mindset, when it when I came to transition into working in activities, one of the first things that Paul worked on me was, was being less technical. And I was like, what? Like he goes, allow your spine to round, go in the bottom of the squat, just feel, feel your body there. Don't be so rigid. Allow your neck to hang, and then just hang out. And when you're ready, you come back up. And that whole concept might seem simple, but if what you've been what you've been programmed is every single time you flex at the hip, you need to have perfect spinal alignment. I was just like, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, I started you know oxygening oxygenating the body. Started, and that's the purpose of working in is really to pump the body, right? So if if we're if we're too rigid in any of these movements, then we kind of we don't defeat the purpose, but we're, we're not nearly going to experience the, the magnitude of benefit we can. So um, I've noticed tremendous benefit from just also letting go the, to that attachment of perfection as it's expressed in the gym as well as added, as it manifests into other aspects of my life.
0: 100%. There's so many parallels between what we learn in sport and in the weight room and then how that extrapolates out into life. And a lot of people, you know, myself included, talk about how we – how we manage stress and the things that that build character and resiliency and make us a little tougher a little a little a little more hard-nosed so that we can we can you know tackle life's challenges and things like that but that's a very male strong oriented mindset and there's still you know on the on the flip side of that this this feminine flexibility you know the yoga the fucking the difference between the mighty oak and and the weeping willow that blows <laughs> within the wind you know right and uh you know i just I was just out at Spirit Ranch in Prongi was saying that um, this beautiful quote, we'll have him on the podcast soon, so blam, another fucking segue, son. But um, <laughs> uh, when you're flexible, you'll never be bent out of shape, right? And, and there's, so much that, there's so much that extrapolates that, not only from a physical standpoint, which we're talking about, but how that goes with life. You know, life is always fucking changing. There's always new challenges and your ability to adapt and mold with those challenges and changes as they come can greatly enhance your perspective and your quality of life. Mm -hmm. So you're not so rigid in this is the way that it's always been. I've had this job for 20 years and now it's gone. What the fuck am I going to do? Or that was my wife for 15 years and now it's over. She's leaving me for this young strapping buck (laughs) (laughs) that I can't compete with, you know, whatever the case is. Uh,
1: yeah, that's phenomenal, man. And that's the feminine principle. Like I'm here, you know, I'm having a great time here at On. And I was in the cafe earlier, and you guys got some really fit, pretty athletic guys here. And one guy looked like he was a uh, pretty badass on the mats, and his shoulders were literally up to his ears. Like I was waiting for him to breathe and exhale and and just let him. <laughs> and, and I wanted to go behind him and be like, bro, like, <laughs> chill out a little bit. <laughs> but you can just see, like. Just adding in, a, and these are all feminine principle stuff: the the cold, wet, darkness, moisture, relaxation, being able to be flexible. These are all feminine qualities that, if brought into the the right and if used properly, will enhance. You know, the more that you can come into it. This is one thing that that Paul really worked on me with was, you know, when we're training, every single time you hop in the gym, the goal is to exceed your prior performance by one to three percent. If you can't honestly look at yourself and exceed the last performance by 1% to 3%, you don't belong in the gym. So that's a pretty scary notion, especially if every single time you're in there, you're trying to train and bang. So what that does is it forces you to look at yourself and the choices that you're making and really say like, okay, am I training? Am I draining? And if I'm honest with myself, maybe today is a day where I might need to get to sleep earlier. Because if tomorrow, it, it really puts you in a position where you have to take responsibility for what you're creating moment to moment and day to day. So whether that's going to sleep earlier or eating better food or possibly incorporating a work in practice or maybe a sauna night. So all these tools that we have, especially access today as in the modern world, we can use these things to our advantage so that we can hopefully use them to our benefit in the gym or on the mat or whatever it may be. But those are all recovery. Those are all yin-based activity, whereas today's society, we're very yang. We're very expressive. That's, that's That's how, at least in my experience, how we're congratulated is by all of the output we're doing. And I think the more that I've started working inward and want to continue doing that because I know it's an area that will help me also produce more and from a place of authentic creation as opposed to doing it because uh, I'm trying to meet someone else's expectations or whether it's society, family, or whatever it may be
0: yeah everyone wants to know what your deadlift pr is not not (laughs) fucking how long you meditated in full lotus (laughs) dude i meditated so fucking hard yesterday (laughs) it was the best session i saw the full spectrum (laughs) red light yellow orange green fucking i finished with purple it was the best session ever say what what who gives a fuck about all that color you saw in your third eye tell me about your fucking 555 pr i remember right? yesterday you after your
1: Eldoa session i forget what you said exactly <clears throat> you were like seven chakra
0: boom all <laughs> the
1: yeah you put me through that
0: and, and for for anybody that's fucking weirded out by the woo woo chakra talk uh i closed my eyes after our eldoa session and saw a bright purple light in my mind i mean Fucking back of my eyelids was bright purple for about five minutes before the phone rang and Aubrey (laughs) pulled me back into reality to jump into a meeting. So those things are real. We can tap into those through yoga, through breath work, and through working in. But uh, not to go too much off topic here. I know we have a more male audience that might uh, be opposed to that. But you know, in in bringing up talks and things like that as we dive a little deeper, it is important to be balanced. It is important to talk about what are good feminine qualities and it doesn't mean like you know you need to throw in a fucking dress on the weekends to to experience the feminine no you just have to have balance you have to understand what are great masculine qualities that women should embody and what are great feminine quality qualities that men should embody because to be a your best version of yourself to total human optimization right that requires having a little of both that requires having a little bit of give and take and to not forcefully fucking jam your fists through everything in the world, you know, to, to create that balance. And it starts with within. It starts with you, right?
1: Sure. And and one thing that and this is something that I incorporate a lot of times with my athlete and why I also love the unconventional training tool is once again, we can go outside, we can get in nature, which it's much easier to tap into just a more restful uh, balanced kind of mindset and grounded mindset when you're outdoors when you're barefoot but one of the things you can do is you can use a totally simple exercise like I said earlier like a breathing squat everyone knows how to squat more or less or should and you can combine that actually with working out so you don't even have to do 20 minutes a lot of times the athletes that I work work or train are very very wound up right they' they're, they're all day whether they're a combat athlete or any other type of athlete they t- tend to be typically wound up. And you don't have to do a 20, I mean, any therapeutic dose, even one minute done consistently of just a mindful practice of movement, whether even it's just going for a walk, just going for a walk is plenty, but you can combine working in with working out and not only get a tremendous training effect, like for, let's use the example of even just um, a kettlebell deadlift, lightweight kettlebell deadlift, say 20 reps at a breathing pace. So inhaling on extension, exhaling on flexion. Then setting the weight down and going into a breathing squat like a superset, so back to back. Now the idea is as the heart rate rises during the working out activity, let's say, how quickly can you calm down the respiratory rate? How quickly can you calm down the heart rate so you can clear lactic acid and recover that much faster? So you can oscillate between those two and it's a fun way, It's a, I treat it as a challenge. Like I challenge my athletes like, how quickly can you reduce the heart rate? How quickly can we recover? Let's just do 10 breathing squats at a slow pace. And that's a way that you can, can get, again, knock out two birds with one stone. And if that's where you start, that's tremendous. And that can take someone's athletic abilities as well as their mental capabilities. I mean, some of the best, expan- like, mental expansion or the, the best tools that I've learned that I've taken into sports has all been coming from working in tight movements or when I've combined them with working out, um, especially when you're in kind of that, that high state almost.
0: Yeah, and there's, I mean, think of the benefit for a fighter. I know you work with some fighters. When would they need to calm themselves down? (laughs) Fucking, all right, you're on the mat. You found a position where you can hang out for a second. Let's slow our heart rate back down. In between rounds, you got one minute. Five minutes on, one minute off. You got to get your breath rate down pretty damn quickly to recover in between rounds. Football, it's a six-second play. Maybe you get 30 seconds in between, you know, before the next play. There's time there, and if you focus on using that time wisely, you can reset the system. Basketball team just scored. They got to inbound the ball. You're jogging back. That's a time to work in. There's so many of these things in sport, but also in life. For all the people that don't fucking play sports anymore, you're 35. You played high school sports. Now you dick around in the gym a few hours a week, but how does this apply to me? Well, getting in an argument with the wife. Boss is yelling at you. How do you fucking reset the system? How do you calm yourself so your response is genuine and it's not out of anger and fear, right? This applies to fucking everyone on earth. And the more we tap into these things, the the easier it is to get back into that relaxed approach where we can see all things and we don't have our blinders on in the fucking tunnel vision of fight or flight.
1: Totally. And you know what too, like we can even bring it back to the mechanical side of things. So, you know, I think the average person, don't quote me, the average person breathes, let's say, above 25,000 times a day. And what do we know about repetition, right? Repetition is the mother of all skill, especially if there's, um, I'm sorry, repetition is the mother of all skill, provided there is uh, perfect repetition, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. There's skill in the repetition. But you know we breathe so many times a day, so you can imagine if someone has a breathing dysfunction, it can magnify itself in so many other different ways of our life. But let's take a breathing squat, for example, because that's what we've been talking about. If you inhale on the t- towards the top of the squat and you start raising your arms up over your head, one of the things that you notice is, again, we're working with our anatomy and physiology. As the rib cage opens, we're inhaling, and we're raising our arms. How many guys do you know in the gym who have problem with the overhead range of motion?
0: Yeah, This guy right here. Right. So <laughs> we
1: can ask ourselves, what is that? Is that uh, a thoracic spine issue? Is the T-spine uh, a challenge? Is it a shoulder issue? Is subscat- it a pec issue? Is it a subscat-, yeah. subscat? Is it a lat issue? Or is it a rib issue? one of the things that i was totally unaware of and and back at home i get regular wa- body work used to get it about once a week and you know before i really started really incorporating a regular practice of working in especially a breathing squat um, was you know the ribs in, in the intercostal should, you should be able to get your your fingers in there so anyone who's listening right now i would encourage you to put your hand right in between your ribs if you if it's very painful, that's one sign uh, that you might want to do some work there. Or if you can't fit your hands deeply into in between the ribs and they feel locked up, imagine you know when the when the arm goes overhead, the ribs need to open up. So by just incorporating a breathing exercise, you can pump and you can get an opening effect there that'll directly translate into any of your overhead lifts. And especially with you know men in general, I mean, females not so much because they tend to be more along the lines of hypermobile or a little bit more mobile, in, in especially in the overhead position. But guys, just getting someone to breathe properly can open up the ribs and have a direct correlation to their their lifting. Um, so that can be you know, a mechanical benefit that you can notice right away.
0: Yeah, and that's big because where you're, where you're short in range is where you get hurt, right? Any, any chronic tightness you have, and, and myself included, actually right, Right before I went to HLC1 in San Francisco, uh, I had had a a slap tear on my right shoulder Hmm. from trying to do a max effort snatch. But to begin with, I shouldn't even have been fucking around with a max effort snatch because my overhead position was shit. I was run down from overtraining and fighting, those kind of things, right? So we have like a barrier to entry that we should be making sure we have our prerequisites in order before we start going towards something like that. Right. If our breathing mechanics are off, if we don't have if we don't know how to get tight and activate the transverse abdominis, we don't really have any business trying to do a max effort deadlift. Right. Cause I don't know how to brace the spine. I don't know how to brace the core. You're just asking for an injury. Right. So I think a lot of these things are base principles that whether you're a professional athlete or just somebody that wants to get into better shape, these are things we need to focus on. They're things that really can prevent us from having to take six months off, or in my case, over a year to get my biceps back to my ear overhead with the right arm, simply because I made that mistake of not listening to my body and not taking care of, you know, where where my blinders were, where my blind spot was physically.
1: I'm super happy to hear you say. That. <laughs> <laughs> pain teacher came in to to bring the a pain new, teacher yep. came in to teach you a new level of awareness around that. But that's sometimes how we need to learn, and that's how I, you know, it's interesting as I transition to every single sport. When I look back at the times, it was always around an injury. So in every single sport, what I thought was the end of the road really opened up, and it's really what sent me to Paul. You know, I went to Paul to heal an orthopedic injury that no one could figure out. I went to nine different practitioners over the course of two plus years, and he was the only person that actually could identify what was going on, which was a compartment syndrome in my arm. So the common medical advice was either get surgery or stop the sport that you love. And I refused both. But what I thought was just a devastating thing that was going to put me out forever really opened this whole new door into everything that I'm doing now, and and really why I'm so passionate about getting this message about about building the more balanced athlete that can hopefully incorporate both kind of both worlds, so that they're not only going to enter a fight or be a champion one, two, three times, that they can really continue their sport for as long as they have the dream to do it uh and and then they they just won't be stopped in their natural evolution as an athlete because of an injury that could have been prevented or an overtraining state or something like that
0: yeah and then they don't you know move around like a fucking robot the rest of their life when they (laughs) hang it up right they have some use of their body still so when you're 40 you can still play with your kids still run around can still get freaky in the bedroom you know (laughs) find some new positions other than missionary and standing at the edge of the bed right it's 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 important people you don't you know fucking one of paul's quotes that I absolutely love is is sooner or later your health will be your number one concern and we don't we take shit for granted all the time and i was just talking to to dr dan engel about this oddly enough that podcast will air after this one but uh due to the due to the powers that be in in the podcasting world but um we take for granted those things you know until they're gone you know and, and fucking People write songs about that shit, but you really don't know what you have until it's gone. And that comes at a very high price when we talk about our physical health, right? Because it's so many people, especially, you know, there's so many baby boomers out there that they think to themselves, ah, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll eat these good things. I'll add in the fish oil. I'll do that, but I'm not getting rid of this crap that I love because I've eaten this my whole fucking life. And guess what? I'm still here. You know, and even even my old man, when I try to try to talk to him about, you know, like making sure my son is eating good food and, and, and he does a good job of, of trying to <laughs> trying to adhere to, to some of our requests. I would say he does an excellent job. But, you know, the the old mindset. Well, well, I raised you and look where you're at. Well, yeah, I had to undo some shit. I had to unwind some stuff. You know, I grew up eating gluten like a lot of dudes in their 30s grew up on fucking cold cereal and nonfat milk. And sandwiches for lunch. And it was fucking gluten 24-7, you know. So, yeah, I had some shit to unpack after that, literally and figuratively, you know, and rewiring my system and putting healthy things in my body. But um, you can't take your health for granted, you know. And really, I think, being mindful of your body, paying attention to those things. And, um, you know, even with all that I've learned and continue to learn, there's so much more to learn. You know, and that's the beauty of it, is that if we pay attention and we try and we're, we're disciplined in working on ourselves and, and, you know, as Aubrey says, there's mindfulness in our, in our meditation practice and how we go about the day. And there's mindfulness. What do we take in? What do we have, you know, promoting ourselves for the future? What knowledge do we gain each day that makes us a better person? So now we have the tools necessary mentally to take ourselves to a different level so that we live each day better than the day we did before i love that hell yeah so let's segue right into fucking teacher plants because <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been playing with just the tip here for a minute oh, man. so um you um, know uh i've i've uh i've mentioned before on, on aubrey's podcast and joe rogan's that some of the things that have helped transform me um in a way that nothing else has you know i've been you know Plants like ayahuasca and uh, psilocybin mushrooms, and even cannabis to a degree, when when used properly, have really recently pull me out of my my daily routine. They pull me out of my my everyday thought pattern, the loop that fucking plays over and over again. And they allow me to see things as Eckhart Tolle calls it, the observer. I can witness the mind speaking and know that I'm not that thing. I'm the thing witnessing it, right? And from there. I can see things from all angles it changes perspective and it's given me insight and really you know as they say you could get a decade worth of cancel counseling done in a day working with a plant you know one of these master plants what has been some of your experience and some of the knowledge gained working with some of the teachers
1: it's been for me just in the past few years and and always it's been done you know i'm very grateful it's always been done very ceremoniously So always with intention, always with a preparatory practice, diet before, um, harmonizing the body with the other people in the tribe around, and then also integrating it after. So it's always been done, in my experience, very beautifully. And so I've always had positive experiences with it. And my experience is, it's like you said, it's allowed me to develop a new perspective around life. And also, like even where I'm at right now, to be completely honest, it's, you know, as an athlete, a lot of times it's all about you, right? It's all about what, how can you get to that next level? How can you win that fight? How can I reach this number? Whereas now, as, as even I'm building my brand and, and whatnot, it's all about the message that I got in, in one of the most recent journeys was it has to be about the all. It has to be about everyone else. If I'm really to, to grow to the next level of the, the person I want to be and the person I'm dreaming to be, it can't be about me anymore. And so just that whole concept has completely changed my interactions with people, completely changed my level of gratitude, the people even just being here and how grateful I am to, to connect with you at a deeper level and spend time with you and your family. It's allowing, it's really been one of the best, most therapeutic and and just most beautiful tools I've incorporated in my life. So I'm very grateful uh, to the teacher plants and for all the people that have supported me in having a beautiful experience with those. Because now it, I've realized, like it, it, it was very much not about me. Even just the people around me who were were a part of the ceremony were all holding space, or were all a part of that experience. And we were talking the other night about the importance of tribe and fear, and and how we can move through fear if we have a good tribe if we would you say like the buffalo <laughs> yeah we
0: talked about the buffalo uh parangi talked about this at spirit ranch and you know again we're getting weird here with uh you know deal with it um he talked about the wisdom the native american wisdom that they take from animals and plants and one of the wisdoms that that is brought about from the buffalo is that when the storm comes the buffalo does not try to outrun the storm because that makes the storm last longer they can't outrun it So they get shoulder to shoulder with their pack and they go fucking head first Mm. through the storm. Right. Yeah. But that takes having that good tribe. That takes having that, look, we're all going to stick together in this and we're going to tackle this thing head on. And when you do that, they come out of the storm much faster. That's the fastest way through it is to go fucking right head first into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You touched on a really important piece there, something that I've mentioned in the past, um, for people that are you know, wondering, you know, like where do I start, things like that, there's an excellent book called The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. Tim Ferriss did an episode on his show with uh, Dr. Jim Fadiman. And um, they really talk about the importance of having a guide or a shaman to walk you through these things, to guide you through the tough spots. Because you talk to anybody and they'll say, oh, I tried that when I was in high school drinking with my friends and it was the worst experience ever. Well, yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to do anything in life. And I think having the right intention, the right mindset, having the right environment, you know, set and setting, Timothy O'Leary beat that mm. beat that drum till they put a hole through it. But um, it's important. that's why it keeps coming up. you know and I think fortunately for you, you had all these working pieces where people took you by the hand and guided you through these wonderful experiences. And the difference between doing it right and doing it wrong is astronomical. I mean, you do it wrong. Um, you can have some very lasting issues. You do it right, and it can open up your world into a whole new light, where you see things differently. You're more receptive, and uh, you can be a bit more like the weeping willow, a bit more flexible.
1: Sure, and hopefully you're in a place where you've, you know, at least managed. Again, going back to the foundation principles, it's like if you can manage yourself in just the most foundational way, you'll be able to to handle much more than you think. I mean, but if you're, you know, you're eating crap. And you're not following the dietary regimen before, or you're just not drinking any water, you're drinking poor quality of water, you don't have a breathing practice. All those things are the tools that you have going into a ceremony to allow you to help manage and navigate that much better. Uh, so that's why I do think that putting an emphasis on managing the person can really, really help the experience. So, you know, obviously, always you hopefully have a good guide with you, but in terms of your ability to, to, um, successful, I don't want to say successfully, but manage it and navigate it that much better can be can be increased.
0: Yeah, 100%, brother. Well, what else you got? You got, uh, you got some stuff coming up. I know you're working on with a lot of cool shit with Eli. Got some cool videos going.
1: Yeah, we got some really neat stuff. We got, um, so right now I'm working on a book. Um, it's essentially going to be, you know, one of my main inspirations is to get people out of the gym outside, which is why the kettlebell is such a great tool and the amount of athletic abilities you can complete. But Beyond that, this first book, it's kind of going to be like an encyclopedia or a guidebook. And it's going to be hopefully the most, I mean, it already is, but I'm trying to make it one of the most, if not the most comprehensive books out on anything and everything you can do if all you have is one kettlebell. So if all you have is one, how can you train for power, explosive strength, and how can you train for the endurance qualities, and how can you also train in the, you know, I love, one of the things I appreciate about the guys at it and the kettlebell guys is they do a lot of flows. They do a lot of rotational stuff, which is kind of where in the most recent years where kettlebell training is going. So juggling, for example, all, all these kind of ways, how all these different methods you can use with the kettlebell, if you just had one, how can you get a phenomenal training effect? So that's one of the big projects that I'm working on right now, which probably will be available in the next about two-ish months. Um, oh,
0: awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> you got a title? Uh, yes, uh, Kettlebell Performance, The Comprehensive Guide, Volume 1. And right now I've got a, a wait list online where people can sign up if they just go to io slash waitlist. And if you put your email in there, you'll be notified as soon as it comes out. And I'll also have some free guides uh, that are available as well that you'll get for signing up as well.
0: Hell yeah. We'll <laughs> link to that in the show notes. You might not have heard that because uh, if you remember the movie The Waterboy with Adam Sandler, <laughs> there's a fucking dude right outside this window on a drivable fucking lawnmower just wheeling it. I mean five yards from our microphone so apologies but uh being flexible we'll roll with the punches on that and uh again we'll link to that in the show notes in case you missed it but hell yeah man i'm really looking forward to that um and you're continuing to work with paul are you gonna do you know we talked a bit about how you've been so so much into competition with kettlebell stuff that um you said you're gonna do one more is that right when's that coming up
1: I got one in, in beginning December, and I'm probably going to do, if not, that might be the last one for a little bit in February, but I've really realized, like, I just need a break from the sport, and I've been working with more and more fighters over the years, and I've just been really inspired, and, and yesterday kind of just, even just working with you on the match just lit a whole inspiration, level of inspiration for me, and so I'd like to kind of move into that, see where it goes. If anything, it'll just give me a new, better appreciation, it'll humble me even more, and uh, teach me a lot that I can make any of the athletic programs that I come out with for fighters that much better. So I'm excited to get and spend more time on the mat and, and learn from some great people that I, that I have fortunate enough to have around me.
0: 100%. Yeah. Jiu Jitsu has been one of the most humbling things in my (laughs) life by far. Uh, You know, if you get knocked out in a fight, it's one, you know, that's one thing you can be like, well, I got clipped. It happens to the best of us. You know, you get back to training, you don't worry about it. Hopefully let your brain heal. But, um, when I fought Stephen Bonner I was a blue belt he was a black belt it was my first fight in San Jose at the Shark Tank at my my home and he was teabagging me in front of the crowd (laughs) in north south position just mashing his cup into my fucking mouth uh for a large portion of that 15 minutes (laughs) so you you talk about humbling uh there's nothing like getting big brothered by another man where you're matched evenly uh for the most part You're the same weight. There's there's very they take try to take as many factors out of the equation as possible for excuses, and you just get fucking ragdolled like that. I mean, it's uh, it's deeply humbling, you know. And quite a you know a big reason why a lot of black belts that you see don't have a chip on their shoulders because they know they're a badass, but they've tapped thousands of times already on the mat Mm -hmm. just to get to that position. You know, they've been put in shitty positions and. Hopefully, and my recommendation to all people first starting out is tap often, tap frequently. Do not, you know, they say, check your ego at the door. But ego, in a way, is what makes you get better. Ego, in a way, is what keeps you going back. Ego, in a way, is what, uh, it it gets you to try a move that you may not want to try. Like, oh, this looks like a badass move. I'm going to try it, you know. So there is some balance to that being um, a benefit to us on the mat. But there's no place for ego when it comes to tapping, you know, because the difference... Can be, I tap quickly and we reset, slap five, pump knuckles, and get back to it. Or I don't tap and I'm either getting woken up a minute later, or I don't tap and I now have to deal with an arm injury for the next nine months. Mm. So a lot of stuff can 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 go into that. And then you know the same goes to life. If you're if you're a little bit you know more receptive and not trying to fight everything as you go, um, you can gather a lot more from there. But there's many lessons in jujitsu. That you'll you'll find extrapolate out into the modern world. I'm looking forward. Hell yeah, brother. Well, I think we're we're just under an hour. Uh, we've got a fucking super packed schedule today, <laughs> so we will have you back on for sure, and uh, many times out to on it hopefully. But um, yeah, we've got uh, a stretching session, and then uh, I got Kevin Ross, the uh, Bellator kickboxing world champion, on a bit later Muay Thai expert. So. Excellent having you, brother. Where can people find you? Online, on social media?
1: Yeah, so if they go to MikeSalemi.io, that's the website. That's the best ways to find me. And right now on social media, I'm Kettlebell Lifestyle, but I'll also be updating that real soon. So just stay tuned on the website. There'll be a good announcement there and all the information on the, the programs we're coming up with, the working in program with Paul Check, um, as well as the encyclopedia guide that'll be coming up as well. So they can just look me up there and that'll be a great resource.
0: Awesome, brother. Very much appreciated. much thanks. love to you Brother. thanks Thank for, you for having Thanks me. for coming out yeah
1: If you're listening to this on the week of release, that
0: means that Black Friday is right around the corner, and that means you should not be shopping at onit.com. What you should be doing instead is planning your fucking attack because everything is on sale. We're going to have exclusive products like our Savory MCT online, which is badass and soups and stews. Doorbusters, like 50% off our werewolf kettlebells and hatch green chili warrior bars. And actually, everything is going to be on sale, 25% off supplements. It is by far the best time to shop at Onnit.com, explore new products, try new things. So check it out, Onnit.com slash Black Friday, and make sure you wait until Thanksgiving night before you
1: buy anything from it.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check us out for more detailed information and question and answers. Everybody's got questions. Hopefully I have some answers to point you in the right direction. We do those Facebook Lives every Wednesday on the Onnit main page. So if you click like on it you can check me out doing some question and answers that really revolves around the show. Every podcast that we do, I'm going to try to grind out some Q&A specifically to that podcast podcast is launched on uh, Monday. And then we do the Facebook lives on Wednesday, 6pm Central Time. If you don't make it, that's fine. Just write your questions into on it. And I'll be sure to answer those on the live and then you can check those out at a later time when you need to.